0: Hello and welcome to the Canopy Boulder Cannabis Business Podcast, where we talk about the intersection of entrepreneurship and investing in the legal cannabis industry. Every other week, we'll give you our perspective on the latest news in the industry, bring you insightful interviews with entrepreneurs, investors, and industry pros, and also go deeper on topics like launching a business, building a team, pitching investors, and setting a fair valuation. Now why would we take on such a challenge? Well, since we launched our cannabis-focused business accelerator and venture fund in 2013, we've made over 110 investments into 90 companies in the legal cannabis industry. And we want to share our experiences and learnings with you. So join us every week as we take a deeper look into the legal cannabis industry and uncover the nuances and subtlety of starting up and investing in cannabis.
1: Everybody, welcome back to the Canopy Boulder Cannabis Business Podcast. We are continuing with our series of talking to entrepreneurs that are currently going through the cohort, learning a little bit more about their experiences. Um, And I'm excited because today we have Jonathan Schultz with us from Backyard Soda, which is one of our CBD uh, hemp investments that we've made this year, which is really cool because it's a very different market than I think what we usually talk about. Um, Jonathan, thank you so much for joining us.
2: Thank you for having me. I'm excited.
1: Let's, um, so tell me, so why don't you tell everybody a little bit about who you are um, and what your background is and maybe what Backyard Soda is?
2: Sure. Um, Well, I'll start with Backyard Soda because it's really easy. Uh, We're a simple syrup company. We use all natural, whole ingredients um, to create that syrup, which is the base for our new product of a CBD ready-to-drink soda. Um, As far as my background, um, it's pretty varied. I um, have worked from anywhere in the banking and investment industry, um, several startups um, that kind of Branched consumer and financial services um, to running my own software company, and now doing something that's uh, a ton of fun with Backyard Soda. So
1: a little bit of everything. Yeah, everything. That's great. We, I I always like talking to someone who's done a little bit of everything because you have a def- different perspective, right? Yep. So it's yep. like what's the same, what's different. Um, and actually, that's kind of an interesting question. What is? What do you think is the same? What it, like is there is there a common thread throughout your entrepreneurial journey that, that maybe is the same, depend, regardless of the industry or the space that you're in?
2: That's the same, I think, is just always being on and available. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, doesn't matter what company or what industry you're working in. If you're working in a startup, it's 24-7. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a little different than working for a big national bank or you know something to that effect, where it's pretty nine to five. It's not. It's getting a little different from that standpoint. Um, and to be quite honest, um, the twenty four seven is the part that I actually love. I like thinking about this stuff, and I like thinking about the business. And so, you know, it, the the large ten thousand, twenty thousand, hundred thousand people companies that I've worked for in the past, um, pretty impersonal. Um, so yeah. when I got the bug of working for a startup um, back in Cleveland. And was you know I think fourth employee of the company, um, it changed my whole outlook on yeah. on what to do.
1: That's awesome. I mean I think that's that that's always the thing I think that attracts anybody right work for yourself or working for other people and having ownership and you know it's a double edged sword because on the one hand it's yours and you love it um, and on the other hand you're never not working right Cause it's kind of your life yeah vacation <laughs> takes
2: it's a little different uh definition um i think you know I, what i've got to be better at is learning how to to unplug a little bit and not but you know when you're starting up um you know it's but i am having fun so it, yeah you know There's something to be said about that.
1: And for our listeners, Jonathan was just in Europe and was still like emailing with me. He was like 2 a.m. in Europe. (laughs) And he's like, I'm like, please go enjoy your trip. (laughs) Um, Cool. So, all right. So back to backyard sodas a little bit, maybe you can give us just like, what's the background? Where'd it come from? How is, what's your role been in it?
2: Yep. Um, So backyard sodas started basically as a a soda cart. Um, You know, syrups that were being used kind of in a um cocktail bar setting um that were all natural um that ultimately people were like let's let's see if we can sell some all natural snow cones and do some events at, at uh farmers markets and things like that and ultimately you know people really liked the syrup um and loved the flavor loved that it was all natural um you know, we've had people come up to us that said our kids never had a snow cone before because we were, you know, afraid to put whatever that red or blue or whatever, you know, that they call raspberry, <laughs> Not but it a isn't color quite, yeah, flavors aren't <laughs> colors. <laughs> so um, from there, it kind of moved into more of a manufacturing process mm-hmm. um, to actually bottle um, some of our flavors. And at that point, really, um, is when we started to look at it and say, you know what, we we are a syrup company, um, but so is Coke, so is Pepsi. Um, ultimately, they're syrup companies. What else can we do with this? And that's where you know we looked at said the market for a CBD soda is right right now. It's mm-hmm. the right timing. Uh, we've got a great product. Um, let's put it in a ready to drink can and, and start moving.
1: That's awesome. Um, so. Your soda, what's different about it? What's the difference here?
2: I mean, the the major difference is that we are, like I said, we're an ingredient company at heart. We're a syrup company. We make the syrup. Um, We're not just buying a flavor, but we're also utilizing whole ingredients. So when we have our ginger lime, we're not using a ginger extract. We're actually taking real ginger. Pressing it into 100% ginger juice and that's what's in our recipe or we've got lavender. That's, you know, true culinary lavender um, that's in our recipe Um, Whole foods and that's really the key difference and I think Mm -hmm. that's really what we like to talk about um, Is we don't use natural flavors per se Um, They come from the actual ingredient They're
1: actual natural flavors Yes (laughs) (laughs) They're not
2: lab-created natural flavors
1: (laughs) Um, and they, and then, of course, it, this soda has CBD in it, which yes. is why we're here, which is why we're in Canopy, Boulder, um, which is it's super exciting. I mean, CBD is everywhere right now. Our last podcast episode, for those of you, if you've missed it, go back and listen to it. Uh, we did a great interview with Cameron Field um, about sort of what's going on with CBD, what's going on with hemp and how the FDA is looking at it. So you are obviously a CBD beverage, consumable product. Yes. Um, h- how are you navigating this space? Are, yeah, you're...
2: it's a, it's an interesting space. And there's a lot of, I think, there's, there's definitely some uncertainty. Um, the FDA has sort of their policy. Um, however, different states have their policy. It's mm-hmm. kind of a classic battle of states' rights and mm-hmm. all kinds of things that kind of get into the political realm, which we won't get into. Um, I think how we look at it is Colorado is one of those states um, that does believe um, that it can be in the the food chain. Mm -hmm. Um, We are excited about that. There's a few others. Um, There is enough kind of opportunity in Colorado for us to really prove what we've got. Um, And then what I like to say is be at the starting line as soon as the race starts. I mean, the race has started. but it's kind of in individual sure. places, and there are companies out there that are, are out there that are, um, you know, shipping on a national basis, um, and that's a you know we have to kind of figure that out.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and it's I mean it's definitely tricky, um, but I think there's so much opportunity and there's so many new things popping up all the time. But I don't know that I've seen a, like an all natural. I mean, there's like sparkling water and this and that, but you know I think this is great what you're doing. So I mean, that's why we're excited about it, right? Thank you. Um, (laughs) so let's talk, uh, one of the things I'd like to talk, I mean, I'm maybe biased, but I like talking about how people figured out who cares about this product. Who's your market? How did you figure that out? You know, have you had to pivot and, and maybe why?
2: Um, we've been really lucky that we've had a following. Um, we have people seek us out. Um, we've had flavors in the past that we've kind of pulled off and said, Oh, well, maybe we'll come back. We get the emails all the time. I got one yesterday. Oh, can you bring back your Earl Grey lavender? Um, you know, things like that. And, um, you know, we just, we, we started with this following, um, and I wouldn't say we've had to pivot. We've just had to think a little bit, you know, it's, it's not easy to have 10 flavors on shelves. Um, so really we had to kind of pull back a little bit and say what, you know, what makes sense as far as the sales Mm -hmm. and what is the right mix. Um, our our on-premise wholesale business is a little different than our retail business. Um, we actually have totally different flavors for them. Mm -hmm. Some of them use our, some of them use our our regular kind of like our ginger lime or a mango jalapeno. Um, but we do a root beer that's awesome. Um, oh, I don't that think I we've had a couple now because we don't sell it at retail, and so it's one of those things that um, you know we've kind of done fairly. We've done well for some breweries and things like I that know. that are utilizing it, um, and then it—I it guess it just has the effect of people looking for it and searching it out. So yeah. we're, uh, we're we're pretty lucky with that.
1: That's awesome. Um, I think you know when when Jonathan was still in the application phase, I think for Canopy Boulder, you brought us some soda, and around that same time, I got this like random box of liquor delivered to mm-hmm. us that like was very strange, um, but it had tequila in it. We were like, "Well, we got all this backyard soda and tequila around the office," and it was amazing.
2: Awesome. I, I say that a lot. Um, it, it's just a, it can be work. It works really well, not only. At lunch as a soda but in a high-end cocktail Yeah. Um, and there's just, it just and I think that's one of the other pieces that differentiates us is that we play on a couple different sides of the aisle yeah. right we, we have a, a liquor store presence in the mixer section mm-hmm. um, which you don't see a lot of sparkling waters mm-hmm. and things like that there but we've also will have this presence in the soda section yeah. um, which just it, they're two different customers sure. from that standpoint and and we're set to reach them both
1: cool so i mean that's an interesting point two different customers um how well i'll say this we don't i can't be able to this is the first year we've really taken on any kind of cpg product right because we haven't been doing anything plant touching um so this is a cpg product so what is that like? I mean, you've got two different customers, two different sort of people you're marketing to. You've got your wholesale, your retail. I mean, tell us, what is it like working in CPG? What are like some of the things you're thinking about all the time?
2: Well, I mean, one, it's incredibly competitive. Yeah. Um, it is not easy to build a brand. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you rely on great customers who love you to, to help be one of those brand ambassadors and the, the folks that will go out and tell other people about your product. Um, especially when you're small and you don't have a huge marketing budget, um, and so it, it is. I mean, we it, it, it's but we kind of work on both sides. Like I said, so when when somebody looks and says at, at one of our on-premise restaurants that utilizes us, uh, I like a you know ginger lime backyard soda, and then they find out that they can buy it in retail. It really works well because they get that connection it's almost like a tasting for us that we aren't at yet people can can find us um elsewhere um you know from a customer standpoint at a retail level uh from what i'll call grocery versus liquor store i don't know how much there you know i think about some of the products out there that kind of are in both um and some people just I don't know if we want to get pigeonholed necessarily into one side or the other. You know, when I think about Gosling's ginger beer, mm. I, I mean, it's, you know, people use it all the time, but you yeah. think about Moscow Mules with that, right? Right. But how often do you find somebody that's like, I'll just have a ginger beer and a just drink it, out of it can? Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of, you know, where we don't necessarily want to be that says, oh, this is only good if you put, you know, a spirit in it, or yeah. this is no good if you, you know, put spirit, you know, right? Yeah. So if we can kind of handle both. Um, and hopefully, what happens is that somebody tries it and they're like, I would totally drink this for lunch. Or, oh my God, if I put vodka in this, this would be awesome. I mean, <laughs> right? it's like
1: Coca Cola, right? Yeah, I mean, exactly, that's what Coca exactly. Cola, Cola is like too. Um, what about uh, operationally? Like, what what are the things on top of mind operationally the, with a CBG?
2: The biggest challenge is packaging. Mm-hmm. Um, especially in the beverage business Um, it's a real challenge from a can standpoint Um, there's just simply a shortage of cans and I think partly it's because there's a lot of beverages that are out there Um, everyone that's in bottles um, is just looking at cans as the right route um, just based on ease of use and Recyclabil- recyclability and pack in, pack out. So anybody, any brewery out there that's ever been, you know, doing bottles or are all switching over to cans. Any new breweries, they're you know, so it's a tough. to it's so is that
1: new? I mean, is is the can thing becoming more popular than it was? Absolutely. 10 years ago? A- oh, yeah.
2: absolutely. It's probably in the last two years, to really? be quite honest. Um, and so that's really the one of the biggest challenges. Um, you know, the other challenge that that we have um, is thinking about, should we be producing this ourselves, or should we be using a pack Can we use a pack Yeah. Uh, which is pretty normal for a company our size. Sure. and, and um, But there's always, goes back and forth um, of, you know, would we make more money if we did this way, or how much is it going to cost to really invest in, in equipment? If, you know, two years down the road, you're looking at somebody that, um, you know, and you want to exit you know do they want that equipment probably not you know so there's a lot of there's a lot of issues there from an operational standpoint Mm -hmm. Um, and then obviously there's just the procurement and the logistics side and um, that all comes down to good forecasting and and demand planning Mm -hmm. Um, which to a startup is really hard because you don't know whether somebody's gonna love it and it takes off and then all of a sudden you're like oh my gosh i gotta get more product in or if you produce too much and it sits so um, it's a it's a balance
1: it's a balance so how do you how do you go about thinking about that I mean have you found that balance not yet <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, I think you know part of it is that we'll be releasing um, and and launching the product here in about a week um, and so once we get data then it'll be a little easier, yeah, right? I mean, sure. it's really hard to predict anything without any type of data. Um, it's just really a guessing game right there. Yeah. Um, we are lucky in the fact that we um, are set up uh, with two distributors, um, and so really we can lean on them for their data to say, yep, we've got you know X amount that are ready to take this product on, and we know that they're interested in buying X amount per week, or whatever the case. Um, it makes our job a little bit easier mm-hmm. to Um, forecast that with partners from that standpoint if you're doing it by yourself and you're all of a sudden self-distributing you know that that's just one extra step that makes it that much harder
1: how common is self distributing
2: very common to start Um, you know if you're starting a brand new brand um, and you've got no traction and you are the one that's walking into a store and if a store says, yep, I'll take it, you show up in your SUV with a bunch of stuff in your back and you <laughs> unload it into their warehouse and, you know, build them and do all that. Um, obviously, as you grow and get more store placement, um, it becomes really difficult. It becomes, yeah. because that is just time consuming, especially if you're sure. driving around a place like Denver or Los Angeles or yeah. New York City where traffic, you know, it can take you know, an hour and a half to go from the north side to the south side or something like that. Um, you just can't have your time taken up like that. Um, and so if you have enough stores, um, that's typically an indicator for a distributor to say, mm, there's probably some business there for us. We could take this product on and probably move you into double or triple or, you know, hopefully." many 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 more stores from that standpoint but it has to be worth their while Um, distributors are really salespeople right Um, you know they have a sales team a lot of it is walking in and understanding inventories Um, but they're also in the business of you know meeting demand of what's out there and so if there is no demand because you don't have a brand because you've never had a product in the store there's a hard, it's, it's hard to sell through a it's distributor. It's like chicken so. and the egg. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. you know, it's just a lot of hard work putting it into stores um, and getting it on shelves mm-hmm. and then having people repeat the, the sales um, and then being able to walk into a distributor and say, I can handle you over, you know, this amount of business, uh, but we need you to help us grow it.
1: Yeah, that's okay. Cool. Very interesting. I don't think I really knew anything about distributors.
2: Thank <laughs> you for educating me. Well, I think, uh, you know, probably Canopy is, um, you know, Going to see this quite a bit more as yeah. they see as they you know venture further into the the CBD and CPG space. Yeah, ways.
1: and luckily we have a lot of really great mentors Amazing. around <laughs> here that are helpful because I don't know anything about distributors, but there are other people around here who do. <laughs> yep. um, so. You came to Canopy. Uh, you we've you've known Patrick. You've known Canopy for a while. You've yep. been around. Uh, you're Colorado and yep. native. Not native, but not native, but native enough.
2: Well. <laughs> been here for a little while.
1: Been here for a little while. Um, what was it? I mean, why why did you decide you needed to look for an accelerator? Like why why not just do this by yourself?
2: Uh, there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, number one. The doing it by yourself is just—it's really hard. Mm. Um, an accelerator and the right accelerator, um, which Canopy is, um, opens up an incredible amount of doors. Um, as you'd mentioned earlier, the mentors—it just—it it truly accelerates the business. Mm-hmm. I mean, what you do in sixteen weeks in an accelerator. I mean, probably would take a year or maybe two to mm-hmm. to get through, and it and there's a reason they called it an accelerator. Um, you know, from a canopy side, um, I've known about canopy since they started. I mean, it's mm-hmm. been a you know, all, when I, as soon as they came online, um, you know, I was like, I'm gonna go check this out. And I remember I live in Evergreen, so you know, I remember coming up to I think maybe even one of the first, I don't know if it was the 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 opening night. I can't remember. launch launch party. The launch party. Thank you. Um, And just being like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Like, I've never seen an industry that is just so incredibly open and helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, And maybe it was just because it was brand new and, you know, if everybody's helping each other, everything goes up. Um, And that was immediately when I was like, I'm going to figure out how to, whether it's my company, whether I join a company. I don't know what it is, but I'm gonna make it happen.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, that's awesome. Yeah, I—that's—that I, I, is what I love about this industry. It's so collaborative. I feel like everyone's always willing to help each other. I mean, just this morning, any of you people that follow us on Instagram, I posted a little Instagram, but. All of you guys were out there like chatting in a circle, talking about your problem, like your business problems, not your yep. personal problems. Um. Sometimes they're both <laughs> Sometimes, the same. <laughs> <laughs> just some overlap there. Um, it's just so nice. It's nice to see that kind of collaboration and like these entrepreneurs working together. That's
2: Well, and I mean, it's so much fun, one. But two, I think Canopy does such an awesome job of bringing in a group that. I mean, tend to complement each other really mm. well, um, and can work together in ways that aren't necessarily competing against each other. But it's it's like, wait, we can do this for you yeah. if you do this for us, and yeah. we can get you on our platform, and you know, all of those different pieces. And it's so cool to watch. It's it you know, it's. The I one. wish
1: I could say we did that on purpose, but I feel like it just kind of. I don't know, it just sort of happens yep. every time. Like, I like I don't know that we're really like, oh, these, you know, I, we try, but it's hard to know how everyone's going to kind of be when they get here. Sure. Um, cool. So, I want to wrap this up, but I'm curious sort of what's next? What's the big vision? What do you see the next year looking like for y'all?
2: Yeah. I mean, next year is a lot of work getting into as many doors um, that makes sense. I don't want to say as many doors as possible because yeah. there's, a, there's a difference between growing Smart and growing too fast. Yeah. Um, what we re- really want to be able to see is getting into the right doors, um, but then seeing our velocity, so that you know, people are just coming back and reordering, and people are buying and saying, starting to talk about us, and you know, we get a little groundswell from that standpoint. That that would be a great um, beginning of the year. Um, I think there's a great opportunity to maybe you know bring out a new flavor at some point um, after we see how our first three go. Um, we've got a lot in the background. Um, yeah. and I think we've got some that are really fun and be really interesting. Um, but again, not too quick. We want we want to see how it goes. So um, you know really it, it, we're going to focus a lot on on Colorado and then we're going to focus on kind of the next place, the next right market from that standpoint mm-hmm. um, and kind of go from there.
1: Cool. So, if our listeners want to learn more about Backyard Soda or maybe where they... It doesn't sound like you guys have them yet, but maybe by the time this airs, that might be possible.
2: Yep. Um, So, certainly can go to BackyardSodas.com and that's sodas. Um. We'll link to
1: that in the description too, so just Um, click out and...
2: And then, uh, we, so we are in um, stores, liquor stores throughout the Front Range. Um, we are, our syrup um, that's not infused for CBD is in Whole Foods throughout um, Rocky Mountain region. Okay. Um, the cans, we will be putting them into as many of our existing relationships as possible. Whole Foods isn't there yet um, yeah. on, a, on a, just a CBD, CBD level. But um, I believe you'll start to see them quite a bit in um, some of the liquor stores in the Front Range cool. um, and kind of throughout Colorado. That's where our distributors really are, uh, are, are focused.
1: That's awesome. So go out there and make yourself a CBD-infused margarita. It's
2: so good. That man- <laughs> a
1: mango jalapeno margarita. <sighs> Can't say enough about that. I'm into it. Um, OK, cool. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Jonathan. This Thanks, has been Celia. lovely. Thanks for teaching us a little bit about CPG. Um, that's CPG, not CBD. Yes. I do know what I'm saying. <laughs> um, thanks, everybody, for listening. Make sure you write a review and rate us so other people can find this content. And uh, make sure you tune in for the for the next episode. Uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you. All right. Thanks,
0: Now for the disclaimers. Please do not take any information from the Canopy Boulder podcast or its guests as investment advice. Be sure to contact your licensed financial advisor before making any investment decisions. So thank you for listening and please join us for another Canopy Boulder podcast episode coming to you soon.